Everybody, uh, my name's Lee Swanick. I'm head of domestic circuit protection for Electrium, and I'm joined by Dave Garrett, uh, head of product management for Electrium. Um, what we wanted to do today is um, for the webinar is, is just have a conversation, really, over what we feel the considerations are when selecting and consuming it for, for particular applications. But just a quick background on on the company, um, Electrium. Uh, hopefully, you guys are, are familiar with uh, with the brand. Um, we've four major brands within the group: uh, Crabtree, Wilex, Volex, and Appleby. Um, and we we do anything within Electrium from the the Appleby back box right the way through to the uh, the wiring accessories for your socket outlets uh, and such, uh, right the way through to single phase circuit protection, which is where myself and Dave um, look after that side of the business. And then we move into uh, three-phase with Wilex and Crabtree. And then we've got the capability of going up into molded case uh, and custom-built fabricated assemblies, etc. So, uh, hello, Dave. How are, you, how are you keeping today? I'm very well, thanks, Lee. We're, we're all enjoying this uh, beautiful sunshine that we've got at the moment. We certainly are. <laughs> um, Dave, as an electrician, um, back in the day, uh, a long, long time ago, um, you know, selecting the consuming it was was relatively simple back in my day. It, it tended to be a, a split load consuming it, and that was it. You bought it off the shelf, and you, you kind of cracked on with it. But now we've got quite a variation uh, of consuming it's available. Um, so really, conversations just about how do we how do we put the right consuming it into the right application and, and kind of what are the pros and cons about what we've got. Um, we're seeing the 18th edition changes at the minute. That, that's having quite a, a considerable effect on, on the domestic circuit protection market, in particular the style of consumers that people are using and uh, AFDDs is a, is a buzzword at the minute and certainly surge protection. So hopefully we can maybe give our opinions on, on what we think could be the, the the right way to to make that selection process certainly the case um i mean at the end of the day you know when you look at the number of components in a in a consumer unit you, you've got a variety of sizes of enclosure so depending on the size of property that uh, you're installing at and you know you may start off with a smaller consuming or or we go up uh, in various sizes to the largest size uh, and then it's really about different configurations so as we can see here, um, we've got a, a number of options um, to select from, from the main switch board, uh, the top left-hand side, uh, which has got a main switch, and it's all RCBO protection. Um, so you've got independent circuits protected by a protective device. Um, then you've got other options available. Um, we've got the split load board, for example, which has got your main switch and then some RCBOs. Uh, and then you've got an RCD, which is protecting a number of outgoing circuits, which are individually protected by an MCB. Um, I guess 
probably when the 17th edition or prior to the 17th edition coming out, that was quite a popular board. Um, and it's probably lost its uh, way a little bit in the last few years. Uh, but it's certainly still a, a very, a very good solution um, uh, as a design. We've then got the the high intake and the dual RCD boards. Um, so the bottom left-hand corner, we've got the high intake board. So you've still got some RCBO uh, circuits on the main switch, and then you've got two RCDs uh, protecting a number of outgoing circuits. Each one protecting a, a number of outgoing circuits. Um, Obviously, with the dual RCD solution, you've got no RCBOs. It's it's all about RCDs and MCBs. And I know, with as my time as a business development manager, I used to see an awful lot of the local authorities. Um, and when the seventeenth edition was introduced, uh, we did a number of presentations to people, and and that was more. Uh, more of the use of 30 milliamp RCD protection on, on the majority of circuits. And it kind of got to the point in the presentation that uh, the RCD protection was the, the rule rather than the exception, which was the way it previously worked. Um, most of the local authorities that, that I deal with now have, have certainly come away from the dual RCD consume unit uh, and the, the concern that we had with the dual RCDs is, is as I rightly say, there's there's no independent circuits on there. So if you said in particular smoke detector circuit or maybe um, a circuit such as say a, a stair lift, um, then you really wouldn't want any other fault on any other circuit influencing that particular circuit to, to switch off. So the dual RCD. It, I think, uh, dare I say, it could well be a, a thing of the past. I think you're right. Moving forward, I think certainly the 18th edition has, has uh, tweaked a few regulations, which maybe mean the designer and the electrician need to think a little bit more about those circuits and, and the implications of, of those new regulations in the 18th. Mm. Um, we can touch on a few of those as, as we we move on through the uh, the, the slides. I think with the 17th edition, it was four main criteria. really. Um, socket outlets needed to be 30 milliamp partially protected. Cables in a wall or partition buried at less than 50 mil. Uh, anything where it was a metal stub partition needed to have 30 milliamp partially protection. Or we needed to protect the cable with some sort of a mechanical protection or sheath, etc or where any cables or circuits pass through a bathroom or, sh or shower area, they, they were the fundamental requirements of 30 milliamp RCDs. Um, is, is there any kind of significant changes for, for the 18th edition or what, what we're seeing? Is there any refinement of those regulations? Well, the main issues uh, are, as we can see here, so we've got uh, 411.33 extends the use of 30 milliamp RCDs on sockets. It used to be up to 20 amps, and now it's moved up to 32 amps. So, you know, all of your sockets should uh, have RCD protection. Um, we've also got additional uh, RCD protection of, for example, luminaires, which were an exception previously. Yeah. Um, 531.32 is, is one in particular to consider um, is earth leakage. Um, so on each individual RCD, um, you need to think about designing um, the, the, 
installation such that uh, any earth leakage is no more than 30% of the trip current. So if you've got a 30 milliamp device, then you're looking to have no more than 9 milliamps of earth leakage. And I think particularly when you've got um, an RCD protecting a number of outgoing circuits, which are just protected by MCBs, then that's where you, you may struggle to, to design um, the circuit to comply with that particular regulation. And maybe that pushes you towards IEINTEG or a split load board or, or ideally a main switch board with all RCBO independent protection. I, I think that, that that's a key key change, really, isn't it? Because you've not really got a great deal of headroom within the, the one RCD. So if, if you start to look at a dual RCD board, and you know we we go up to as standard we do a a 15 way dual RCD board if you like so that 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 could split the circuit say t- you know, nine on one side and and six on the other if my my maths is correct and so you you've 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 got quite a number of circuits that you're trying to balance across the those uh, 30 milliamp RCDs with not a great deal of headroom really is it based on that that new regulation so exactly and and you know you know, electronic equipment, things like laptops and so on, those are the things where you've got some inherent earth leakage, you know, from those. And, and it's a cumulative situation. So, you know, if you've got a family situation and everybody's, you know, on the laptops or, and, and so on and they're uh, connected into the, the power circuit, then you might suddenly find that you're pushing um, the, the, the earth leakage above the nine milliamps. Um, so that's something that you need to think about. I think, yeah, domestic installations, there's, there's a lot more going on in a domestic installation in terms of what's plugged in at any one time. But I, I think if you start to open that up into maybe a, a, a light commercial installation where you've maybe got um, a, a number of number of computers or a number of laptops working in an office at, at one time, then previously you might have been able to, to put one ring main in. I imagine now it means that we need maybe more circuits, which means the consuming it's based on this kind of layout, uh, a high integrity layout, might well require more more ways and bigger units. So they're, uh, we're struggling for a little bit of space there, I think, with, yeah. the, with this type of layout. You can certainly, you can achieve it with INTEG and split load, but you need to think about it a li- little bit more. Certainly the, the ideal solution is to go for your main switch with individual RCBOs, because then each individual RCBO has got that 9 milliamp of, of earth leakage, and the chances are that you're not going to get that on just just one protected circuit. No, definitely. I, th- I think, as you'll probably, I think we'll, we're going to have a look at a, a summary towards the end of the, the presentation, but uh, my gut feeling is that's, I, I kind of know where we're going. I think we're going to end up with a main switch board with, uh, with, with RCBOs or perhaps AFDDs, but this that nine nine milliamps worth of uh, headroom if you like on those rcds definitely leans it towards that that selection exactly so mm-hmm. um 531.3.3 um i mean we've always been required to um select the appropriate rcd um but it's the the regs of of been tweaked slightly just to re-emphasize the fact that you can have DC um, present on a, on a circuit. And I guess that is 
it's probably driven as much by electric vehicle charging as anything, but you can also get um, DC and things like LED uh, drivers and um, USB sockets, for example, um, and, and you know some some white goods. So DC is present, um, and it's always been a requirement to to make the appropriate choice, but um, it's just been re-emphasized with the 18th edition. I, I think you're right. That's one of the common questions we get through the technical helpline. What, what's the difference between a Type AC and a Type A? And, and I've used the Type AC for years, and we've we've not had any issues with it. But again, kind of technology moves on. Uh, and just to explain briefly what the differences are, um, a Type AC uh, RCD, the 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 components in there, the coil, if you like, within that RCD, it doesn't have any tolerance to uh, DC being imposed on that on the uh, the coil. So so what can actually happen is it can slow down the operation or actually stop the RCD from working. Uh, it's what we call blinding. So you need to have a couple of effects all kind of happening at once, uh, but you could have some DC leakage on that circuit. It's blinding the RCD, and then we're in an earth fault situation with the AC side of the circuit, and it stops the RCD from, from working. But if we move over to a Type A, what a Type A does is it has a level of tolerance which will allow us, it will see that um, DC leakage. It won't affect the coil, and it will still operate within um, the requirements for that RCD. But again, as we move through different RCDs from a type AC to a type A to a type F and a type B, what they do have is different uh, levels of tolerance for any DC leakage on the circuit. But you're absolutely right. The point that you've made is we always need to look at what the requirements of the circuit is and select the right um, components for use within that circuit. So it doesn't necessarily follow that a type A RCD, because it's got some tolerance to DC leakage, might be the right selected product. If we're going to put an EV charging unit on there, we might need to move up the criteria and go to a, a, an F or, or a B. But again, it's it's down to the installation. Certainly is. Um... I mean, we're, we're, we're starting to see now the, the industry standard is becoming type A. Um, for the numbers that, that we're selling in terms of consumer, it's most of that's migrating across. But um, I think there's more because that's the, not the misconception, if you like, but that's becoming the, the, the common product people are asking for rather than making that selection for a Type A based on the circuit criteria. I think it's it's just becoming the norm to go with a Type A device. Yeah, it's certainly become the default, but as you say, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right solution. Uh, it may be that you need to consider a Type B, um, it, but it really depends on the, the, the installation and what's connected. And obviously, a lot of um, if you've got a PV installation, Type B is, is commonly specified by uh, the PV in, inverter manufacturers. Um, so you, you may have a, a demand for that type of RCD. And again, you know, with EV chargers, most of the chargers these days have a, a Type B built into the unit, um, but they may well stipulate a Type A back at the consumer unit. So it's horses for courses, and, and you just need to stop and think about, you know, the installation and, and, and choose the appropriate RCD. Yeah, yeah. 
All good fun. That is. <laughs> Jumped around a little bit there, but um, so um, sorry, 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 Dave. Go on, go on. Sorry. This really was um, was was picking up on the, the maybe the dual RCD board, and and uh, we we hinted at earlier around about. The, the fact that you've got one RCD protecting a number of outgoing circuits. And what can happen, for example, is, you know, maybe you're in the shower, you've got the lights on, you're in the shower, um, a circuit um, develops uh, an earth leakage fault, maybe it's a, a kettle or whatever downstairs in the kitchen that somebody's switched on, um, it trips the RCD, which is protecting a bank of, of uh, outgoing circuits, and suddenly the lights go off in the shower and you're plunged into darkness. So really, you, you need to think about the, uh, the, the, the split of the, the board and, and where you have your power circuits and your lighting circuits and, and consider whether you are actually introducing a risk if, if say, for example, an RCD takes out a bank of, of of circuits some of which might be lights for example yeah you, you, you've created a hazard by the, the by the design of the circuit there don't you uh, exactly yeah I, I often refer this to the, uh, the, the the peter k phoenix nights the last thing you want to do is have your stair lift kind of switched off in uh, in in mid-flight due to your uh, the wife in the in the kitchen doing the ironing and the iron go faulty and, and take out your rcd and uh, you've got some problems down the line so there we go. Fortunately, I live in a bungalow, so I shall never have that problem. <laughs> so that, that, if you like, is is a consideration, certainly when you're thinking about, you know, is dual RCD the solution for you? It may be that that pushes you towards high integ or, or even split load or, or maybe up to, if you like, the complete solution, which may be the main switch and individual RCBOs. I think there's a constraint as well these days on on the size of the board. You know, in a, in a perfect world, I mean, we 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 sell a lot more duplex consumer units than, than than we ever have done, which is the double bank board because people are looking for for splitting those circuits up more and more because they may be tending to stick with a high integrity type layout, which obviously the RCDs are, uh, take up two two modules, but. Um, I think that becomes a problem in a lot of installations in that there's there's not that there's not enough room to get these consumer units in. So that's that's another factor, you know, people need to consider. Whereas the main switch with, with RCBOs or even the, the new AFDD uh, product, each circuit takes up one module so it keeps the board relatively relatively compact as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if, if maybe you're replacing an old rewirable fuse or, or, or maybe a Wilex standard range from 30, 40 years ago, then the, the consumer units were were probably only I don't know, 200 mil wide. Um, mm. You know, so the number of outgoing circuits that you had were, were few and far between. And, and you might be constrained by space. You know, we do a lot of uh, Mantel unit, skeleton units for London uh, for for um, tower blocks and so on, where you reduce uh, amount of space, you've got to fit the consumer unit within that limited amount of space, width, height, depth. Um, you know, so that that can point you or push you down a certain uh, solution route, um, where you just can't afford to have 
RCDs protecting outgoing MCBs because you just haven't physically got the space. I think there's a couple of things to to always consider with an installation. There's there's a there's the installation itself, which is what we've just been talking about. Is the board the right size? Is it going to do its job? And then there's also the consideration of how that's going to be used once it's installed. Um, and we tend to find that the likes of a lot of local authorities are considering, you know, if we've got a, a high integrity or a dual RCD board or even a, um, a split load, if one of those breakers switch off and the tenant actually rings in their helpline uh, for a bit of guidance, you know, my lights have gone off or, or all of my power's gone off, it's a lot more of a complicated conversation for, for that helpline person to advise the customer how to, how to reset that device. Exactly. Uh, if if they even want to kind of get to to touch the consumer, a lot of people don't want to do that. So, you know, there's a couple of things there. The consideration, if it, if it is an RCBO and it's only that one circuit, it might be a case for we'll send somebody out tomorrow. We don't need to get somebody out on an emergency call out. Uh, so, again, it's it's about the practicality of, of using uh, the consumer after it's installed. Um, and, and I would say that there's a fair chunk of the, the 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 bespoke boards. I know you mentioned that we do for a lot of local authorities that are main switch with RCBO because although it's perhaps a more expensive way upfront to do the installation, in terms of maintaining that and customer use, it pays dividends along the lines because there's there's less on costs if you like with that with that unit. Yeah, certainly, the main switchboard with RCBOs is very is a very common choice of a, a landlord. You know, as you say, it's a little bit more expensive, but they just don't want the hassle of having to send an electrician round to reset an RCD that's been tripped by a kettle, a faulty kettle. Yeah. And, you know, has, has took out all the power. Um, so, you know, as, exactly as you say, um, there are justifications and reasons why you may go for. Um, higher specification board over a lower one um, because of, of the, the long-term cost saving that it can give you. One of the comments I've had from electricians in terms of once they've installed it, obviously you've got to test the product. You know, um, great thing about the the, the RCBOs uh, that, that we use in the board, the single pole and switch neutral. So it, it's a breeze to test them. You just knock them off and, and they're disconnected and you can... 500 volt test them from the outgoing terminals and you don't need to disconnect them or flying leads don't need to be disconnected so you know there, there are some benefits of, of doing that as well yeah so that's a saving during the installation time um you know during the actual installation that the electrician can benefit from the, the other thing that we've uh one of the other things that we've seen quite in the, in the public arena at the minute is surge protection uh, in, in consuming. It's this, although surge protection has been around w within our range for quite a while, it maybe over the last two to three years, it, it's, it's really started to become a, a, a mainstay in the consuming. It's that, that we sell and that we manufacture both as a standard product, you know, that you can buy off the shelf with a, a surge arrest built in, or we do an awful lot of bespoke boards where they're, they're built up for customers and the, and the pre-wired for, for when they get on site. I think, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, we're, we're seeing you know, a massive increase in the number of standard boards that we're supplying, which have got SPDs already fitted. Mm. Um, it just makes it so much easier. It's already pre-wired. 
you know, you, you get your board and you, you just fit it on the wall. Um, and that's, that's great when you're doing a, a consumer unit change or a new install. Um, it's, it's fairly straightforward. It's a little bit more of a challenge when you've got an existing installation. Um, obviously, there are different generations and designs um, that we've seen over the years, over the last decades. So, you know, you have to sometimes think about how an SPD would fit within those existing boards. Um, some will fit, sometimes they won't. We also do uh, separate enclosures um, with a, an REC switch, uh, isolation switch, and a, an SPD fitted into them. And you can wire that in front of the consumer unit. Um, and we find that that's a very good solution when you've got an existing installation that you're looking to upgrade cost effectively with an SPD. I think the reason why we're selling this a lot more, there's a lot more installs going on with surges. Although the regulations have always been there, again, with it kind of being in the public arena more, it's, you know, we do a risk assessment. If we don't do a risk assessment on a domestic installation, then we need to fit um, a surge arrestor. And it, it's almost as black and white, which is, is not always the case with the wiring regulations, shall we say, but in, in, in terms of domestic surge, it's kind of all, uh, you fit it or you don't, and, and this is the criteria. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, I mean, obviously, people talk about lightning strikes. Um, you know, it's probably more so than they do about um, transient surges. Um, I think there are, a, you know, in, in a typical house today, we have a lot of electronic equipment. And, you know, if there is a switching incident somewhere on on your network local to you, um, you you know, your, your property could see... Um, a surge and it could damage the electronic equipment so it's it's certainly worth investing in spds as much from that side of things as it is from the the possibility of a lightning strike well i think some of the time when when a set of regulations come out the the, the first thing some people do is is look at ways of getting around those regulations unfortunately and and one of the things that often got quoted to me was was the exception um which we've got on screen uh, for single dwellings where the total value of the installation and the equipment doesn't justify surge protection. Uh, and I must admit, I, I, I kind of struggle if you, if you just think about, you know, where you are at the minute, you know, maybe even the room or, or your home that you sat in, what's plugged in to your installation at the moment? Uh, and, I, and I'd suggest in most properties we've got, we've got a TV, uh, maybe a DVD player. There's maybe a PlayStation in there. Um, an electric boiler, you know, with a printed circuit board in there, and, and just across those items, you, 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 you've already exceeded over a thousand pounds just in those items alone, and that's the majority of those are probably in one room in in your property. So, um, I, I think the the reality of, of fitting surge or not fitting surge based on the value of the installation that we're protecting is probably a non-starter in, in most. Um, in most cases, and I think that's why we are starting to see surge become um, the, the, the way forward. It's, it's just becoming a, a, a standard fit for the majority of people. Very much so. So probably what, uh, an area that's been talked about quite a lot with the 18th edition is um, the, the recommendation um, for arc fault detection devices, AFDDs. Um, so that's that's coming to the 18th edition. Um, 
And I mean, the, the bottom line is that this is a technology that might be new to the UK, but it's certainly not a technology that's unique to the world. Um, it's been in the States and Australia and, and other European countries for many years, certainly over 15 years in, in the States. So it's a well-proven technology um, that will uh, protect against art faults, which can manifest within a, an installation and can lead to fires and obviously the consequences of a fire in a in a domestic residential property is damage to the property and and worst case loss of life um so afdds are very much um closing that sort of uh, that gap that has existed with existing circuit protection devices i, I think you're right um the difference is what what does an AFDD do differently than an, an MCB or, or an RCBO? And, um, an MCB will protect you from from overcurrent. Uh, an RCBO will protect you, sorry, an RCD will protect you from earth leakage, and an RCBO will do a combination of the two things. But what it won't do, and what it's not designed to do, is is see that arc fault which which can generate heat. And that that heat that's been generated could then lead to a fire. So it's not that the the MCB or the, the RCBO doesn't work in that situation. It's not designed to to, to see that. And the way the the, the AFDD works, um, effectively, you're buying a a microprocessor. You, you're no longer buying. If you take an MCB as being a mechanical device, then you know we've really moved on um, in into. You know the 21st century, if you like, with with the AFDD technology moves on. We're certainly not sat here supplying rewirable fuses anymore. So the the market moves on, technology moves on, and and this is this is for safety really. Um, we're already seeing AFDDs being embraced again. Generally, it's it's the local authorities that will that will start to get the ball rolling on on the technology coming into play. But we're we're already seeing. Um, AFDDs become part of our business, and particularly with it being a single uh, module AFDD, uh, again, it's it's a it's a compact uh, device. Exactly. I mean, it's, a, it's the same physical size as as our um, MCB and our, our RCBO, and, and our particular AFDDs are married up with an RCBO. So, in a single MCB size um, device, you have got um, overcurrent short circuit and arc fault protection um so it's 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 quite staggering what we've managed to uh to fit within one small 18 millimeter wide um unit mm. it, it's a concern for me and you dave because i don't really know where we're going to go from here to make it any better any smaller that's for sure <laughs> and a couple of the, the the questions we we get asked about um afdds um do they work on ring mains? Do they work on, um, you know, low, low load circuits? Uh, and, and just maybe to elaborate on that a little bit, um, do they work on ring mains? Yes, is is the answer. Um, in in reality, an arc fault occurring on on a ring main on a a serial arc fault, because what an AFDD will do, it'll detect a serial arc fault, and it'll also detect a parallel arc fault. And the difference being a serial arc fault is, let's say, a, a loose connection in the live conductor. 
and what would happen in terms of a, a ring main circuit if we had a loose connection in the live conductor then the path of least resistance uh, the the current wouldn't flow across that fault the current would actually throw, flow through the other leg of the ring main so you wouldn't get arcing you wouldn't get serial arcing occurring on a ring main so that's where the AFDD wouldn't operate because it wouldn't see it because that that arc fault wouldn't occur but what can occur on a ring main circuit is a parallel arc fault so if you've got cables maybe trapped underneath floorboards which is creating a, a parallel arc fault between the, the the phase and the neutral conductor then that would happen on a radial circuit and it would also happen on a ring main circuit and that's where the AFDD would see that and it would protect uh, parallel arc faults on a, on a ring main so hopefully that's explained that yes AFDDs do work on, on ring main circuits but it depends on the type of, of arc fault that's happening yeah, no, I think the, the, the key thing is with um, serial arcs is that they they do exist when you start plugging in uh, appliances or extension cords into a ring main. So you're, you're, you're plugging into a socket as part of a ring main. You've then created um, uh, effectively um, a single. I've got my words in. You, you created a radial, radial circuit, if you like. Yeah, yeah you create, effectively you've created a radial circuit. Um, and then in that situation, then that uh, that that uh, conductor could be damaged, and you and in that situation, you can have a serial arc. And and I think you know when you look at a common or modern house these days, is we we plug in so many items, you know, we, whether it's electrical appliances, whether it's lighting, uh, whether it's iPads, iPhones, you know, and goodness knows all sorts of other electronic equipment that we plug in. Um, you, you have a lot of potential for um, cord sets and the like to be damaged and, and for a serial arc to occur. And the consequences are if you get a serial arc and you haven't got AFDD protection, then that could manifest itself into a fire and then obviously the damage to the property and the potential loss of life. So an arc fault detection device will will protect you, um, will protect those vulnerable Cortets and the like, um, which you know tend to trail behind furniture and under furniture and under legs, etc., um, and, and are susceptible to damage. I think that's probably one of the drivers for for local authorities now selecting AFDDs because at the installation stage, that's within the control of of the contractor. It's within the control of the local authority to go and do their cyclic testing etc and you can you, you can look at that installation and you can say yes it's safe the, the bit that you'll then lose control over is actually what's plugged into those socket outlets so you could have a really safe um, fixed installation if you like and then somebody you know we, we see all these scare stories uh, you know in witch magazines and the likes about um, you know, cheap uh, charges that, that you can buy for a couple of quid off the internet, you know, leave them plugged in overnight, charging up your phone, and, and they're not really the, the, the right devices to, to charge up your your, your, your iPhones, etc. And And that's contributed to a number of fires. So this is where the, the, the AFDD, if you like, 
extends beyond the fixed installation to a, to a certain extent and, and gives you a greater level of protection. So I think that's fundamentally where some of the local authorities are going to say actually if we can if we can go a little bit further than than the installation if somebody does plug something in that uh, maybe that cord set as you as you say gets trapped underneath a desk or gets gets rolled over or you know often you might see a a, a cable going through a doorway that's the it's, it's always been chafed as the door opens and closes the afdd in terms of protecting that cable that's that's where it'll come into its own on the on the question of testing, I mean, we, because we've got a microprocessor, then the 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 device itself tests every fifteen hours, um, so it's, it goes through its own cycle of testing to make sure that the the arc fault processor is is working correctly. Um, so it's it's a very clever piece of electronics, um, and obviously that gives you that peace of mind that it's working, um, you know, twenty four seven. I, th I think. Being, you know, speaking as a spark, um, if you've gone back to uh, a property and, and your AFDD's tripped off, um, particularly with, with our device, it actually indicates if it's tripped uh, as a result of an AFDD, an arc fault, or it's tripped because it's the RCBO element that's tripped. So you've actually got some visual indication there of, of where do I start uh, fault finding. So um, I think that that's a good thing. I don't think there's any other device on the market that when when you go to it it actually says yes it's it's tripped off it's in the off position and and it's tripped because it's a an earth leakage or it's tripped because it's a an, an arc fault that i'm looking for because they're they're two very different uh, things to go uh, go hunting for in an electrical installation so i think that's going to give us a bit of benefit as well yeah and the the the, the product itself as we we, we said it, it comprises a, an rcbo element as well as the arc fault um you know so you've got six to, to 40 amp bnc curve and and they're all type a rcd technology um so you you've got the the complete solution there you've also got the two pole switching as we mentioned and and again testing of the uh, the individual circuits is straightforward and and uh, very quick to do and, and obviously saves time for the electrician on site. I remember when when the RCDs were, were kind of launched and then RCBOs and, and again we were always concerned about nuisance tripping. Um, so if we all, if we go down the route of, of all AFDD slash RCBOs, you know, are we going to be in a position for a, a lot of nuisance tripping? But if the AFDD, uh, the AFDD won't be nuisance tripping, but if if it does show you that it, that is an arc fault, it's it's tripped for a reason. Um, people have asked us about you know low load circuits and high load circuits, and we've seen various videos on YouTube where people are trying to recreate an arc and 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 trying to get an, an AFDD device to trip by maybe touching some contacts together, but. That not necessarily. That's that's the uh, that's the arc fault that's going to cause you a, an issue. Um, part of the AFDD and part of the microprocessor is, is to understand the circuit. So there's a lot of devices out there, Hoover's, electric drills, etc., switching on your, your your light switch. All of these things generate arcs, and that that's the way the installation's been been for for years. But the trick is to differentiate between what is, if you like, a friendly arc, a light switch switching on, or, or what is um, a dangerous arc. 
so where we see uh, that some of those videos where we're trying to put two pieces of cable together and, and creating an arc yes we're, we're seeing a spark but that's in free air it's not generating uh, a great deal of heat and is effectively uh, a switching arc um, when the arc starts to become dangerous and when the AFDD starts to detect that is when the arc starts to become consistent so if you imagine that's a, maybe a damaged cable underneath the floorboard then what will happen is the, the, the cable itself will, will start to um, show a carbon deposit and it's, it's the actual carbon tracking. It's, it's, when the, it's when the supply actually uses the carbon track rather than the conductor itself to, to pass the load of, of the electricity. That's where things start to heat up. So it might be uh, short term, it might be some, some sparking that could occur that's not going to create a, a dangerous situation but given time and that um, carbon building up around that, um, that that break in the cable that's what then generates the heat that's what can ignite the, the surrounding you know insulation once it dries out or any other materials that that cable comes into contact and that's where that that particular fault becomes dangerous so there's, there's a there's a lot of technology crammed into that um, little box shall we say and that's part of um, part of the AFDD is obviously to trip in the event of a of a of a true fault, but we don't want it to trip every time we turn the light switch on and off or or plug the Hoover in. Very much so. So the the other area that we've touched on is um, custom build. Um, you know, as, as a as a business, we 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 manufacture and we design and manufacture in in the UK. So we have the ability to bespoke, make um, enclosures of different sizes. Um, for example, we we touched on meter cabinets earlier. You know, sort of things that fit within mantel units in in risers, uh, in tower blocks, and the like. Um, so we've we've manufactured a whole range of, of standard units but we can also bespoke manufacture solutions as well um, we do an awful lot of uh, consumer units which are fully populated with mcbs rcbos afdds um, to, to suit specific customer requirements and we can also create upgrade kits for old and existing installations to to upgrade them I, th I think as a business we've certainly got one eye on the future and we've always had one eye on the past as well haven't we? Retro, retrofit is, is, a, is a big part of, of what we do as well um, and again from a, a customer point of view you, you want some longevity in your, in your product you want to know that the, the product's going to be around for a long time and, and you can service it should you, should you need to do that just sorry David go on I was going to say, I mean, I, I think, you know, with Crabtree and, and, and Wilex brands in particular, you know, they've, they've both been around over 100 years. So, you know, I think that that longevity that you talked about, you know, we've, we've always been involved in circuit protection and very much a, a leader um, in the technology and, and the product solutions. And I think that gives a lot of reassurance to installers and, and specifiers and end users um, that, you know, we've been around a long time and we'll, we'll be around a long time in the future. I think even more so now, 
people may not be aware, but um, Electrium as, as a business is, is actually part of, of Siemens. Uh, and Siemens being a, a, a global manufacturer, you know, so a lot of the, the development and the technology that we're moving forward is, is either, as you mentioned earlier, Dave, with the AFDD, it's, it's long established technology that's uh, been used, you know, for, for a number of years. So it's stuff that's tried and tested. Um, and, and with that development behind us as well, I can only see us you know, developing even better products as we, as we go further and as the technology requires it. Very much so. I mean, in summary, where where do we think the consumer unit's going? You know, that's um, you know we we live it and breathe it every day, as it, as exciting as it as it tends to be. But um, uh, well, I think I think if you apply the the regulations explicitly, then then I think it does nudge people towards the use of RCBOs more and more. So. Um, yeah. You know, and, and ultimately that should be a main switchboard with every individual circuit protected by an RCBO. Um, you know, you can you can utilise high integ and you can use utilise split load, but there's always a little bit of a, a trade off, I guess, if if you're using those solutions. Um, so ultimately, we would always steer people towards um, the main switchboard. Um, we've had the 18th edition um, for a little while now. Um, amendment one's out addressing EV. Uh, we've got amendment two, which is due to come out April 2022. Um, we've currently got AFDDs recommended. Oh, I guess there's a fair chance that they might be mandated come April 2022. Um, so certainly, I think if you're going to invest in AFDD technology, then that's incorporating RCBOs. Um, and, and then that's, again, pushing you towards a main switchboard. You know, you, you really should be putting an SPD at the front of it or, or certainly ordering the board with the SPD at the front of it pre-installed. Uh, and that really gives you your, your ultimate solution. I, I think from both of the ranges, both Wilex and Crabtree, well, it is a range. And it's it's probably the biggest range uh, available in in the UK. So um, there are products there for different levels in the market, and there's products there to give you different solutions. Um, so hopefully we we've got a product that suits the installation that that you're doing it um, tomorrow and the next day and the, and the day after. Um, hopefully. You know, some of this may may have been of interest. Hopefully, we've cleared a few myths, particularly around the uh, AFDDs. But uh, if you'd like to ask us any questions, um, please drop us an email. <laughs>